You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show. We have a great episode today with Melissa Feliciano. She's a hair and makeup artist based in Markham, Ontario, and the creator of People in Paper. People in Paper offer many kinds of hair and makeup services since 2010. I've known Melissa for many years as she was my wife's hair and makeup artist for our wedding back in 2009. I actually believe we were her first paying clients and she's been successful ever since. So sit back and absorb. All right, guys, today we got Melissa. How are you doing, Melissa? I'm good. How are you? Living the dream. That is exactly how I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) So people in paper, what is your story? People in Paper was actually rebranded from Melissa Makeup maybe about two or three years ago. I can't really remember exactly when I rebranded, but it was mainly due to the fact that Melissa Makeup had been around for 10 years. <laughs> and it wasn't just me anymore doing makeup and hair for my clientele. So I didn't want the brand to just be my name basically anymore. My cousin had been doing makeup with me for a few weddings for a couple of years after that. So I wanted to rebrand and include her or include maybe any other types of collaborations I might do in the future. So I decided to rebrand and we are now People and Paper. Nice, nice. So for People and Paper, like what makes your business so successful? I think just over the past 10 years when I was building my brand just based around myself and my artistry it took a lot it took a lot of time first of all took a lot of going out there getting my name known being very personable with all my clientele really helped as well and then that's what created word of mouth so it just blew up after maybe three years into the business I was really young when I first started it so I was gung-ho like I was out all the time trying to get my name out there i was doing a lot of free collaborations i was doing a lot of free weddings it was work work just to get my name known and then once i got a reputation in the industry it kind of took over itself which was really good yeah and and i told listeners this during the intro is that uh, you were our hair and makeup artist for our wedding back in 2009 Yes, I was. (laughs) Did you guys know that you were one of my first? I believe, I think you might have mentioned (laughs) it, but that's what I'm like, wow, I feel honored just uh, for us. Like, she didn't do my hair and makeup, but it was obviously for the (laughs) wedding, it's always usually the woman that gets the hair and makeup and the guys usually just get a haircut and maybe a shave. Yeah. (laughs) You, and I remember when you got it done, I think you did all the bridesmaids and they all looked phenomenal. And what made it, and what made it so good is that it, you made a very natural look, right? Because like I said, I don't really use makeup, anything like that. But I guess I've seen enough women with makeup that there's, you can tell certain t- you can tell if there's a lot on there. Like they're almost colored pretty much. Like it's everything. There's so much stuff on them. But what I think what made you very unique for, for at least for my wife was that it was very natural. It didn't look like you put much on there. Right. It almost, got, it almost got to the point. I looked at him like, what did we pay her for? Because it looks <laughs> like you, she didn't put anything on your face, but apparently you did. And when the pictures were done, it was, it was really awesome. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that was my bread and butter is doing very natural looks. I think that's what really got me popular when I first started as well, because when you think of wedding makeup, especially you can look back and you do see a lot of makeup on certain brides but when I first started out my clientele was mainly Asian let's just say Asian okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a lot of the Asian brides didn't want too heavy makeup they were really into the glass skin kind of look very natural very dewy like just the bridal glow you would say yeah I think that's what I excelled in and that's also what got me very popular at the beginning too yeah, and I remember for our wedding, so we like I mentioned that you did our original wedding, but we also had to do a, a second wedding reception in Hong Kong, actually. I think 
my in-laws decided to pay for a makeup artist to do Mrs. K again. And we had a second set of wedding reception photos because the main one was here, was based here in Toronto. And the second one, and I, I look at the photos and I look at Mrs. K and I, I just, I shake my head because you could <laughs> tell there was so much put on her. I'm like, <clears throat> wow, Sorry. they almost made you look like a kabuki almost, right? They gave right? you so much on there that I'm like, Man, if we had, if, I, if this, if I, if they were going to do this, I should just ask Melissa to fly over here. <laughs> I would do. have in a heartbeat. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Just because, yeah, there's, that's aside the point. Back to where we are, where now. So for your business right now, like I said, you're rebranded and, and you have more collaboration, which is really great. And I think it's really good that sometimes solopreneurs can spread their wings and really incorporate others. And they don't have to be fully employees, but just to, have each have a really decent skill set that you can build that brand. So mm-hmm. how do you currently run your the people in paper practice now? I don't know if I mentioned this, but my cousin, Jennifer, she was my main assistant maybe two years ago. She recently moved during the pandemic to Vancouver. I love having her with me. It just makes the whole environment a lot more enjoyable, I feel, when I have someone there with me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the fact that it's just easier to have more hands-on, but just to have her there for moral support as well. Like, we support each other kind of thing. It can get lonely. Like, even though I'm working on brides, bridesmaids, whatnot, I'm there to be there for them. So when I'm there, I'm chit-chatting with the bride, chit-chatting getting to know my clientele but when it's downtime it's weird not having her around let's just say that okay we got to bring her back so we got to figure out a way to (laughs) kid i wouldn't say we're going to kidnap her but find a way to (laughs) lure her back back to it or like you have a lot of experience so you never know if maybe you should bring someone else on maybe have like more of an apprentice that can really you know, like that's also that's learning how to cut their teeth in this business because you've been doing this for a long time, and that I could have. be a potential opportunity to just say, okay, bring someone on board and get them going. Because at least you're not really starting from square one. If I said, okay, Melissa, let's work this thing, I have no experience whatsoever, so <laughs> it, it would not go very well for your clients. But if you have someone with at least a little bit of training and they just have that, I'm intimidated to try to do this on my own. So is there if I kind of work with you and learn the ropes from all the facets of the business, right? Not just the actual makeup itself and not just the hair itself, but maybe how all the overhead stuff that you guys have to work on as part of the mm-hmm. business. So there, that could be something in the future. So right now, be. that's a good idea. Yeah. So right now you said that it's a little bit slower, which is, I think COVID has really punched the gut of a lot of small business. And that's probably one of the reasons why I wanted to start this whole podcast in the first place was to focus on the Canadian small business and actually really tell the stories of the people who run it. So try to figure out a way to say, okay, let's motivate and educate more people who are either running a small business operation or maybe are thinking about it just to really do their own thing, control their own destiny. I think think that's a really important thing here. So while you're running this thing, now we know that you said it's a little bit slower and you're going to probably start to ramp up uh, probably early next year uh, for this. So what kind of uh, growth do you expect to see next year in terms of growth i had to cancel five weddings just surely because my brides didn't want to have their smaller wedding so they chose to postpone and postpone which was <laughs> horrible because i was on the receiving end of them being devastated that they had to make cutbacks they had to have a smaller wedding it was horrible but going into the new year positive, open mind. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I think a lot of businesses are in that similar bubble where they don't really know what to expect because like with a lot of small businesses, hair and makeup, that's a really hands-on business. It is. It's a hands-on, extremely personable. Yeah. You could start to, you could start maybe your own YouTube channel or even your own Udemy course or something <laughs> like that to really instruct people how to use makeup. Because if I was to look learn how to use makeup, at least for men, I don't know if you could show me something that will make it look more natural. So I'd, I don't have to get 45 different brushes and all these different mm-hmm. things that I don't even know what to do with half of the time. <laughs> so that's another potential opportunity that you have there 
to really expand your reach so that the weddings might be your bread and butter, but there's always other alternative revenue streams that can definitely bring it there. Because yeah, that's something that you can definitely consider. So for, so for the next while or so, what are people, for people who've never done hair and makeup before, or don't even know too much about the industry, what is the actual biggest expense that you hair and makeup artists know that you have to pay for that probably the regular people don't know? Foundations. Foundation. <laughs> so me being a professional makeup artist, I have to be able to customize and cater to every single type of client. Okay. Mm-hmm. So whether it be a darker person, lighter person, to have every single shade available at my fingertips, meaning I'm dishing out almost thousands of dollars on just foundation. Okay. So <laughs> if I put that into perspective, it's a lot of money, hence why professional makeup artists are expensive. The industry has changed so much in the past, I want to say like six years. And like you mentioned, YouTube, YouTube made it more available for the everyday person to actually learn how to do their makeup themselves. I wouldn't say making professional makeup artists a little bit less sought after, but for the fact that people now have more knowledge readily available at their fingertips in terms of makeup, in terms of how to apply it on themselves, in terms of what to buy, etc. Why are makeup artists so expensive, especially for weddings? They can get pretty pricey, but the reason is because of literally everything we have to bring to be able to do these weddings and supply for our customers. Yeah, and I, I remember recalling this a few years later, my sister ended up getting married as well, and they were looking at different makeup artists and the one that they were originally going to go with, he was just really expensive. I don't even remember <laughs> how much it was. Thousands? And, sorry? In the thousands? For, who knows? Yes. <laughs> and I, I, I reached out to Melissa. I said, hey, are you still doing hair and makeup? And of course she said, yes. And I said, look, uh, my sister's getting married and she's looking for a makeup artist, hair and makeup artist. Are, are you, would you be available? And the funny thing is, Melissa's like, yeah, I can. I can do that, but I had to increase my prices. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then she's like, how much are you, how much you, like, how much is the person that, that we're looking for? And then I think I blew out the number and it was a really high number. And she's like, what? I said, how much is yours going up by $50? And I'm like, that's it? Okay. <laughs> that's not too bad then. So. Based on what I think we paid originally, you're only you only it was only a slight bump up in pricing. Yeah. And when my sister got married, same thing. Hair and makeup looked phenomenal. Thank Where you. I can't imagine what the one who was charging that much, way too much, to my opinion, what they would have done to beat what my sister ended up looking like. So I think that's why I guess during that time, it's almost like that the less is more kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? More is not necessarily better. Mm -hmm. I like to pride myself on doing my research. So within the GTA area, I actually know a lot of uh, people who are in the industry and I can make sure I'm in the nice price range between everybody. Um, I like to say that I'm affordable, but mm, I forget what I used to say. I forget what my my term was, but it was something along the lines of I'm affordable, but you get my personality when you hire me. So I love to cater to whoever I'm working on. I'm very personable and I will get to know my bride or bridesmaids, whoever it is, beforehand so that on the day of the wedding, we will just be able to vibe and I'll be able to do like the best job that I can. So I, I really miss that, Ken. I miss being so personable with my clients. I, You're making me get into all my feels today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here on Dr. Ken. But no, I'm not, I'm not a doctor listener. Just, let me, just I want to clarify that just so I don't get any lawsuits coming at me here. So, yeah. <laughs> No, that, but that's what, you know, it's all about the stories, Melissa. I think every owner has a story, positive, negative, but I think it needs to be told because 
there are probably a lot of people that probably want to do something, but they're afraid to, right? Because they right. feel that, oh my God, it's just too much or it's too much money or I don't know if I can do it. But hearing the stories of seasoned pros that have been doing this for a fair bit, that have a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge to to educate people with, really helps them understand that we, we cater to a lot, of in, a lot of industries. That's why I wanted to bring in everybody. Everyone you can imagine, doesn't matter what uh, field of business you're in, I, I want you on the show, right? I want you to tell your story. And it, whether it's to motivate people to join your industry, which is great, that's great for the industry to have some more people in there, or it could just be something that you can tell them, here's what some of the things you have to realize. If you're going to get into the hair and makeup business, this is what you have to realize what's going to happen mm-hmm. that you're going to see. So do I still want to do this? Or maybe do I want to keep it really small before I think? Because they might have this this visions of grandeur. They're going to be like mm-hmm. the one that's going to be doing all these fashion shows or all these high price weddings and all that sort of stuff. When maybe they should say, okay, let me start with, uh, I don't know, something smaller and then scale my way up there just by getting more reps in just so I can, like you said, get your name out there. Like you like mm-hmm. you did really successfully, Melissa. So, so that's why we're here. And, and I think your story helps bring that message to new and up and comers and that will give them the motivation that, yeah, you can do it. It's not going to be super easy. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So is aside from the foundation part of it, was, is there any other expense that most people wouldn't even think about when it comes to hair and makeup, especially if you're like, okay, Melissa, I want to do this. What's, what are, what are some expenses I'm going to be expecting? I would say training. Honestly, I feel like training is very important. I know the generations these days are self-taught. There's nothing wrong with being self-taught at all. However, I feel like once you do jump into the industry, if you do have a little bit of knowledge or education, that education is going to give you the opportunity to understand really firsthand what the industry is actually about things you may experience on set that you would never know if it's your very first time type thing if you're self-taught so just things like that I went to community college for makeup and hair and I spread it out between four years and I paid for school myself so I worked paid for school myself got into the industry right away while I was still in school um yeah I feel like it's a big investment but education and learning your craft ahead of time is what's going to be the most expensive part Um, especially if you're in such a hands-on trade like I am and then just building your kit is everything for a makeup artist I have to make sure I have not only like really good quality makeup but I have to make sure I have like I mentioned before every single shade Imagine just lipsticks. I have to have like every single popular shade for weddings, for natural looks, dark shades, light shades. Like I have to invest a lot of money to make sure my kit is up to par. Not to mention makeup brands and trends are changing every single year. So a good makeup artist is going to stay on top of the trends as well, which again, cha-ching. That that leads us into our next segment about the industry. What is your current opinion on the industry and what do you see as the its most current direction? You're the expert. So yeah, educate to the people. Like With the hair and makeup industry, what's your view and where is it going right now? Honestly, I'm, I'm a mixed opinion. From what I see, according to social media, the beauty industry, we'll just say beauty industry, okay? So okay. beauty industry hair and makeup, everything beauty that you can ever imagine under one umbrella. Beauty industry is becoming a bit superficial, should I say that? There's a lot of people who maybe self-taught, go on YouTube, do a few videos, become viral. I'm a makeup artist. And a lot of younger generations these days feel like, oh, they can do it, I can do it. They make it look so easy. When in reality, I'm sorry, not everyone will make it like that. Not everyone has it. You have to have 
talent, first of all, to be able to be a makeup artist. Secondly, you have to have the personality. You have to be strong-willed and ready to work your butt off. It's not just about meeting people. Oh, here, I'm going to make you look pretty. That's it. Pay me my money. I'm going to go on. No, it's a lot of persevering. It's a lot of getting through all the no's. It's a lot of just being there for yourself when you feel like, oh, I don't know. Should I keep going? Am I doing well enough? Am I a good enough artist? It's a lot of that. So a lot of self-doubt sometimes, especially in that beginning phase or the rough patches, I guess, what you're trying to say. Yes, yes. Okay, no, that that's great to know. So you said that's your mix. So you said part of you is seeing that it's becoming very superficial. Like you said, that the these viral hits of people that they see on social media and they start to do it themselves without really getting the training or without getting the reps in, right, yes. to really show it. So what was the other side of it? Then the other side of me sees the younger generations being really creative. So a lot of people are learning makeup a lot faster than my generation did or having to go to school first because we didn't have YouTube or anything readily available for us just to learn at a click of a button, right, for free. I'm very intrigued with where the beauty industry is going to be maybe in another five years. In the terms of wedding industry, however, it hasn't really changed too much. Stay classic. The whole wedding industry, you're going to find, especially in your own um, local areas, say we're both from Toronto. So Tor GTA Toronto area has specific wedding industry professionals that you will see over and over again. I've collaborated and worked on, I want to say thousands of weddings over my years in the GTA area. And I always see the same people. It's, it's super funny and very, oh, hey, do you remember me from last wedding? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we always like chit chat and it's just, it's a fun industry to be in where you get to see familiar faces. So yeah, I, I'm mixed. I, I feel like I'm intrigued. I want to see where the industry is going. However, I don't like where it's going at the same time. Right. If that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're saying it's a double-edged sword, the industry right now, right? Like the, for as many awesome creativities that you're seeing right now from people, there's that other side where they try to not say that YouTube is dumbing down the industry, but making it seem like it's, if you, as long as you can record a video of you doing yourself, mm -hmm. then, then you that can means do it on you, someone else. you can do it on any color of skin in any look and only have a couple of pieces of equipment to do that. And right. you're saying, no, that's not really how it works because I guess the ones who last as long as you do learn what's the trend and not sticking to just always doing the same old thing. And I think that's an important that it's not a one where you want to stay stagnant and never try to learn anything new. Excellent. It's funny you touch on that. Um, I had been asked, I think the first year into my business, I believe it was 2008 when I first started, my very first wedding. I had been asked, where do I want to see my business in the next five years? And I was like, I'm open to anything. Because at that time, I wanted to be able to stay fresh and to stay with the trends and to constantly be learning a new craft. So I feel like any individuals who have that mindset currently as they're opening or starting their new business, I feel like that is the best type of thought process to be able to adapt and move forward. So let's talk about uh, on the last question about the industry here before we go to the tips from the pro segment here. So what has been your biggest, let's say, failure, but also what has been your biggest success so far? Those are tough. Um, biggest failure, I would say about three years ago, I had, okay, so let me just backtrack here for a second. So being an entrepreneur, I am very open to <laughs> every type of business venture out there okay mm -hmm. so a few years ago i had decided to 
add on to my resume, let's say, um, by joining an MLM. So I wanted to get into their beauty industry and see what my expertise could bring to their company, but at the same time, add on to my own. Did that for maybe, I think it was three and a half years, almost four. Didn't really do much with it. And I think it was because being an entrepreneur and having my own beauty business for X amount of years before I did that, I had all the power to be in control of my brand. I had the power to do the things I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, how I wanted to do it. And then learning to adapt to be a face of their brand was a little tough for me because I was not so used to having to follow rules. <laughs> you wanted to march march to the beat of your own drum, pretty much. Exactly. And that's what most entrepreneurs want to do. That's the reason why we start our own business. Yeah, so... We want to control. We want to do our own thing. <laughs> we don't want someone to tell us. What do you mean we, we can't use this product? We have to use your brand, your branded product. Exactly. What if my brand of product is better than your brand of product? So why am I having to <laughs> promote it? Exactly. So long story short, I would say I left that, yeah, like three and a half years in, decided to go back to just representing myself and rebranding to the point where I felt like my creativity could excel, could improve for the future. And it was something brand new that I could look forward to. So I think I just answered both your questions. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's great to hear because it gives a nice well-rounded view because we don't want to only hear all the good stuff where it's, oh, then there's no problem at all then. We want to make it, we want to hear the real stuff. We want to hear the highs and the lows. And if the person wanting to get in cannot handle the lows, it's best to not go into it. Right. Otherwise, you're not going to last or you're going to be too stressed that it doesn't make sense to do it. You might as well look at yeah. a, maybe getting a different, uh, start a different business or maybe get a different job, right? So wh whatever the case may be. So no, that, I'm really glad you really touched into that. So we're now going to go into the tips from the pro section. So this section is basically for people that either are right on the border of about to start something, or maybe they're even running their own operation now. And it's nice to hear what, what are they doing as well. First question, and I usually like to ask, there's a couple of questions I like to have always on here, but the first one is, should I diversify my service offerings to attract a wider variety of clientele? So I guess related to this industry, there's the hair and the makeup, but should someone get into, let's say, nails or I'm not too sure if you other what other uh, businesses have, that you know of that would be very complimentary to that you could add to the hair and makeup? It's funny you do say that. I'll tell you a little story. So when I first started doing hair and makeup, I had almost every single client also ask me, do you do nails? Do you do facials? Do you dye hair? Do you cut hair? So it it's funny you do mention that there is a demand and eh, I would say it's up to the artist. It's up to the entrepreneur. Whether you feel like you want to dabble into everything possible that could be related to your area of expertise, go ahead. Um, for me and my personal journey, I wanted to only focus and become very professional in hair and makeup. So doing nails never really appealed to me. So I don't want to just add it on just because I can make money off of it. I wanted to keep my love and my passion for what I fell in love with in the first place, which was makeup. I wanted to keep my love there. And I didn't want to add too many random services just because. So that was that's my personal decision. Yeah, and I think that makes great sense because like you said, hair, makeup, nails, and I didn't even know that cutting <laughs> hair, coloring hair, 
a facial. I didn't know facials was a thing. Like I thought, oh, that's yeah. you're supposed to go to a spa for that. So basically, they want you to be an entire esthetician. But I think that's what uh, it, it's good to understand that, and that could be something that, if you decide to expand out, Melissa, then maybe you do bring on someone on board who strictly does mm-hmm. nails mm-hmm. or or the facials or something. So then, if you can find someone reliable that you jive with, that uh, you both can offer that service, then yeah, you could definitely split the difference on on the fees just to make sure you each are getting a good cut of the pie. But at least that's driving up the services. Like you said, yeah, to diversify for the sake of diversification, it's nice. But if you're, like you said, if just random stuff, if you're just trying it, I don't think you want to try it on people, especially on their wedding day, because that's Mm -hmm. one of the most important days of their lives. So I kind of know a little bit about nails. So <laughs> sure, I'll do you and all 10 bridesmaids. Charge you a lot of money. No one's happy. And like, yeah. And then your name, your reputation goes under, right? Because yeah, the totally. negative reviews really scare a lot of people. It's best to, I think from what I'm getting from a lot of my guests is, if you're good enough to do it, okay, but it's okay to niche down. Yes. Focus on what you do best, right? Yes outsource the rest. Why not? All right, next question here. So for a question, this is for someone who's about to get started as well. Like, how big should my portfolio be when I start my business? Oh, as big as you can get it. Honestly, yeah. When I was in school, I... So there used to be this website called Model Mayhem. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But anyway, it's a platform where a lot of people in the industry, so whether you're a photographer, a model, uh, anyone in like film industry, makeup artist, hair artist, whatever it is, we have this platform to all get together and socialize. So say if there's a photographer who's, oh, I'm doing a free photo shoot. I need models who wants to collab. It's just basically a whole collaboration type platform that I used to go on a lot and I spent all of my free time just doing those free collaborations so that I could have everything under the sun in my portfolio if I were to show you my portfolio from 2008 it includes literally everything in the industry and that also helped me to figure out which niche within the industry I wanted to go into and which one I really liked and it was funny because I had thought I was going to go into film originally I wanted to do uh, special effects for the film industry I loved doing it I loved doing zombie makeup I loved doing scary things like I loved it but when I did my first wedding and I got to experience that one-on-one connection with the bride and just knowing that emotionally I am there for this bride on the most important day of her life. That connection just made me fall in love with that part of the industry that I was like, forget movies. I want to go out and help all these women feel as beautiful as they can on the most important day of their life. That was my calling. Mm -hmm. Wow. Good to hear. Really good to hear. So (laughs) thanks. You want to hear, yeah, you want, like you said, just your general advice is definitely as big as you can fit right now. Yes, is there, is there, do as is there, much as you can. So is there like a good, is there a, a rule of thumb number to say, okay, this, if you are going to, because obviously big, meaning everything, that could sound a little overwhelming to a lot of people, like everything. <laughs> so if you could dumb it down for us who are not in the industry, like how, how many projects should be in part of your portfolio minimum? And then there's the I ideal would number. Say- So for a makeup artist, it's different because portfolio means pictures. There's not really anything else that we can really collect in our portfolio per se, Mm -hmm. except for pictures of examples of work that we've done or things that we've been a part of. So in terms of pictures, I feel like mm, if you're a beginning makeup artist and you really want to project your business for the next year, at least a hundred pictures of different mm, avenues within the industry if you're finding that you want to maybe go into weddings don't just do all wedding pictures still go out still do the movie stuff still do film television do as many different avenues do the fashion do like everything 
and then have your own separate, maybe your best 10 pictures for wedding industry. That way, once you get into the industry and people start looking, you can be like, yes, I'm fresh to the wedding industry, but here is all the other things that I've been doing as well. So I feel like that would set you up better for getting your business off on the right start when you're first that's a really good point because i think i think we forgot to really touch on this so what are the different options for a hair and makeup artist so i think when we think of hair and makeup artists we think of okay we think of the 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 weddings we think of maybe models or cover whatever (laughs) then there's like you said the movie film and tv what are the different other options what are the other options that people have because some of them might say oh wedding market's too saturated let me try to go here or like the film industry is too saturated so i want to switch to something else so it gives people different ideas that if they let's say like you said maybe people who aren't like you who really enjoy the wedding thing if they're like yeah i don't want to deal with any bridezillas so (laughs) i want to go to somewhere else what are some other avenues that they can branch out to because it's a pretty wide-ranging industry, this hair and makeup, that a lot it of people is. don't even realize. It is. You can pretty much find work anywhere. Honestly, like, you can go and apply to work at someone's spa, per se. You can be a personal makeup artist where you only do events only. It doesn't have to be weddings. You could also go and be a personal makeup artist to somebody. That was actually on the top of my to-do list when I first started. I wanted to experience that. Unfortunately, I didn't get to. You think of it as being a personal makeup artist for like stars or movie people, celebrities, say. Um, Or you could even go and work in a morgue. That was an eye-opening experience when I got to do that. You worked Um, in the morgue? Yeah, as a makeup artist. Wow. So there's literally opportunity anywhere. You just have to know what you're willing to experience and where your interests lie. I would say do your research. Um, Go and work. Maybe not for free everywhere, but try to get as much experience anywhere possible doing makeup on other people. And then once you do that, you'll figure out what you like about the industry and where you will fit best in the industry okay no that's good great advice all right next question here all right i want to be a hair makeup artist melissa what should be the first thing i invest in (laughs) your kit the kit (laughs) and we i know you touched on foundations right i think you touched on foundations you talked about lipstick was there anything else that so how would you rank that which one is more important the lipstick the foundation it's the brushes 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 okay, let, number let's one? start with brushes. Number one, okay. you need to have a good set, quality set. You need to know your brushes, what each brush does, how to use them. It's all a part of the craft. That's why I said earlier, too, your education is so important. For a lot of people starting out, they may have one or two brushes that they use on themselves, which is fine. But when you do makeup professionally on someone else, you are going to find that you're using 10 different brushes for 10 different reasons. So brushes need to be top-notch quality. Second, yeah, I would say foundation is one of the more expensive, important things to have really great quality and the amount in your kit as well. And then, honestly, third, I would say needs to be whatever you're carrying your kit in. Being a makeup artist, I don't always get to work from my own studio or my own home space. A lot of the times I am traveling and I am going into other people's like hotel rooms in the morning or venues. So I need to be able to carry my kit everywhere. Um, A lot of the years I was carrying them in backpacks, which ruined my back. (laughs) (laughs) I was carrying them in normal bags that you wear over your shoulder. Things get really heavy and we're carrying a lot of stuff. So I would say invest in a good rolly kit that has wheels so you're able to carry it around. And if you don't have access to a car, that can even mess up your back even more over the years. Yeah, so just invest in good quality A kit and B something to carry your kit in. 
Oh, that's really good advice. And for those who may not be familiar with this industry, I always use the realm of just think of it as golf and <laughs> a sports analogy I'm throwing out here. In golf, you're going to use probably most of the time, maybe three different clubs. Your big driver that you hit off the tee, which is going to go the furthest. A smaller iron club where you're going to try to get closer to the green. And then, of course, your putter. But you, but professionals don't carry three clubs. Right. I believe the num- <laughs> I believe the number of clubs is like twelve to thirteen clubs. Each club has a specific purpose, right? Like I used to do when I was in sales before was when I would try to sell something. They may only want a couple of things, and then I use the I call it the golf cart close. And I talked about <laughs> I talked about golf, right? Not that I'm an av- not that I'm a great golfer by any means, but I guess people visually can see it's like oh. Okay. And I actually had a lot of sales that way. So for some people who don't understand from the hair makeup that what Melissa is saying is that you need to have, like you said, even like 10. At least 10. 10. (laughs) At least 10. So less than a billion, but more than 10. Yeah, definitely. There you go. Less than a billion, more than 10. That's a great, (laughs) that's a great way to think about it. All right. So let's go to the next couple of questions here. All right. What should the name of my business be? Now that that could be what it should be, or maybe your tips is what your name should not be. That's a tough one to answer because it's so personal. I would say try to be very unique in your own sense. Don't try to copy other people's types of name. Whereas before, my business used to be called Melissa Makeup. So it has my name in it, but at the same time, it's just Melissa and then the word makeup. So yes, it was personable, but did it really say anything about what I have to offer or what what my business is? Not really. So feeling like over the 10 years I had Melissa Makeup for, I felt like I needed to rebrand to be more, to have more things under my umbrella. So it's not just, oh, we're hiring Melissa Makeup. So she's a makeup artist. That's it. You don't need to be defined by that. You want it to. Yes, exactly. I wanted to have a name that kind of spoke to everything that I have to offer, which I don't even think I really touched on. Why? That's something (laughs) we, we could talk about. And actually, we talked about just the hair and makeup, but the fact that your name is very is more broad than before. So what other services are you actually offering? I know we're backtracking here. But aside from hair and makeup, what else can you what else do you offer to to clients? So the reason for people and paper was because during that time, okay, first and foremost, I'm an artist. So I love to draw, I love to paint, anything done in terms of canvas so when you think of it doing makeup on somebody basically is art and I wanted to find something that I could umbrella all of this under so not only do I do makeup and hair for weddings or for any type of event I also like to draw and I also like to showcase my art so I wanted another platform where I can just basically throw all of my creativity onto one type of brand and one type of name so hence people and paper there you go that's <laughs> great all right so then i'm sure we if people want to know what other services you offer it'll be on your website and your uh, social Correct. media stuff yeah and of course when in doubt if they don't if it's not listed there they can always reach out to you and say hey i'm looking for this this is something you can offer so that's really good Okay, now we have to tap a little bit back on the hair and makeup business here. So is there any special insurance that I need when running a hair and makeup business? You can get insurance if you want. At the time when I was building my business, I didn't really bother. I kept, okay, personally, I wanted to keep my business on the smaller end, medium to small end, just because... Being an entrepreneur, I do like to dabble in a bunch of different business ventures. I'm never just focused on one project. Yeah, I love to dabble into different types of things all at the same time. It's very hectic, but speaking to other entrepreneurs, that's probably something that is very common. 
know, like an entrepreneur, we just we can't stay in one spot. It's hard to stay. <laughs> you feel like you want to try to go and expand out when you know when you want. Yeah, when you have that. that personality, you want to be able to try different things. Okay, so you don't need to. It's not a harm to get one. Right. I, it's personal. It's up to each individual. Yeah, because I don't think anyone's going to be claim have filing any insurance claims because I can't imagine why they would on something like this unless you put makeup that suddenly gave them a rash on on their wedding night. <laughs> then that's a different story. But. Maybe that yeah. could be. That's why maybe, you have contracts. Yeah. Or maybe that's the case of actually getting insurance just in case. <laughs> if this person for some reason is allergic to something in your makeup that you didn't even think about that anyone could be allergic to, maybe. And I think commercial policies are a little bit smaller. Yeah. Maybe. We're not saying don't get it. Maybe think, at least investigate it and see what if it makes sense for you. And depending yeah, on the scale exactly. as well. All right. We're almost uh, at the point here. So what is... I guess, what's your best strategy for dealing with more like difficult clients? Now, when people say difficult clients, we, we hear about the bridezillas, especially from the wedding industry, but I'm sure it does, it's not just bridezillas, but I think just in general, how do you normally deal with, uh, with difficult clients? With positivity. <laughs> so I'm a very you hear positive People person. just smile at them and they should be fine. Smile at them and they should be fine. <laughs> but no, I'm, I know she's, there's more to it than that, but go ahead. Yes. Positivity meaning... Trying to turn any bad situation and see the positive in it. So if there is an upset client who doesn't like what's happening, I smile through it, take their advice, because at the end of the day, I'm hired to please them. So even though it may be against my professional opinion, if that's something that the client really wants... I'm going to provide it. Mm -hmm. So even though it may seem like a difficult situation at the time, always try to look on the positive side of things and just really try to grow from it and learn how to handle difficult situations and difficult clients. Yeah. No, no that, that's great to hear. All right. Now we touched on a lot of the business stuff. Now we got to ask a little bit of the personal stuff. So Melissa, what's your story? <laughs> that's so broad <laughs> i keep it broad My on purpose story. okay i always make it like that so you can go back as far as you're comfortable going and then i'll ask some just <laughs> other questions as well so by all means take it from there so the gist of my story was in high school in grade nine, I had originally wanted to get into fashion design. So I had applied everywhere to get into fashion school at that time did not get in unfortunately so i was left with the option of uh do i just go straight into the workforce where do i work what am i going to be doing for the rest of my life i was a very confused teenager which most teenagers are during that time so i took a year off decided to work in an office setting with my aunt hated it okay like full on hated it i was like i don't understand how people do this for the rest of their lives or they're just comfortable working in an office. Like no, nothing wrong with working in an office, okay? But at the time of my experience, it was really eye-opening for me. Being a creative individual, I wanted freedom. I wanted to do things that made me feel alive and where I could show my personality and show my creativity on a daily basis. So I knew that working in an office wasn't going to be for me during that part in my life okay. so i had looked around to see i was still interested in fashion so i was still keeping my hopes up for an opportunity to arise um and then i don't remember which platform it was over i think at the time i want to say asian avenue is that ah, dating, asian me? That's avenue. dating me wow <laughs> i had That's that dating me a lot whoops yeah, I think it was over Asian Avenue. One of my friends who I had looked up to who was very popular back then. She's actually still popular. I don't know if you've heard of her. Mila Victoria. Okay. Yeah, I don't know a lot Filipino. of this. Filipino. Okay. She's a makeup artist, but she also dabbled in uh, photography. Okay. And I think she was on Much Music for a bit. Much, Do you music. much music? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> 
we're dating ourselves to the younger group. I know, I'm sorry. But yeah, What's anyway. Asian Avenue? Is that a street? Go Google no. that. Google Go Google that, yes. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, my friend Mila, she was posting that she was going to be going to school for makeup artists. Because she at the time, she was self-taught. She wanted to go and, you know, improve her craft. So I was like, oh, makeup. I never really thought of it. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm open to it. So I did some research. We found George Brown College, which was uh, doing a makeup program at the That's time. That's what I was going to ask you when you said you, what, you, what, do, what school do you recommend for at least getting the good foundational elements of the hair and makeup profession okay perfect george brown okay <laughs> george brown um i know recently they did change their program a bit well i don't think they have the same same programs available but i could be wrong but anyway george brown is a great school like the teachers there are amazing and i've since i've left school which was i'm not gonna say how long ago but very long time ago um i've heard a lot of people still going back to george brown whether it's not the same kind of like campus area but they have the same type of makeup and hair programs going on yeah anyway yeah so we had decided to go there and then once we were in school it was just fun like every day that i got to go to school it was fun creative I've never had more fun in school than I did going there. Oh, my God. You're such a nerd, Melissa. What's going on? (laughs) Nerd. (laughs) It was. Can you imagine painting on people's faces like every single day? It's it's just fun. If you're a creative type of person, it's I don't know it. You could probably hear it from my voice, but I light up when I talk about it. Yeah, it's definitely it's part of my passion. So, yeah, going to school every single day. I loved it from there. We had been taught in one of our classes. It was like a bridal 101, I think it was called. Um, in one of our classes, we were told, okay, if you want to get into the bridal industry, you have to start building your portfolio now. So I was like, okay, I'm going to build my portfolio. So as soon as I started building my portfolio, asking around, oh, does anybody want like a free makeup artist for their wedding? Boom, I booked my first wedding. <laughs> And since that wedding, I had one picture of one of my clients to showcase as my portfolio. And that one picture booked me three more weddings. So it just snowballed from there. Yeah, it was all word of mouth before I could even get up my website. And I don't think there's a better outcome that an entrepreneur could ask for when you're building your business. Yeah, and I'm sorry to cut you off there, but it's so true. I think some people like forget that word of mouth is actually one of the best forms of free advertising and free yes. marketing because I think people look into this and tell them small business, okay, I have to set aside a marketing budget, an advertising budget, a Facebook ads here, Instagram ads there, pay for whatever, that it can get very pricey, right? Yeah. Nothing beats a good actual word of mouth referral. And when I started this podcast, I was showing my wife and she was saying, why? How, how do you know that many businesses? I off the top of when I started writing everyone who I knew through social media, like friends, family, whatever, and associates, how many people have some type of business, whether it's full-time or part-time, it didn't matter. It just said anyone is fair game. I had over 50. Yeah. Just right then there and there. There you go. And here I am recording all these episodes now where especially for a podcast perspective, I don't get very many no's. It's usually, <laughs> gee, I wonder, small business owners love to talk about their business and free advertising for them. And it's a long form type of format where I'm not just giving them five minutes and then they have to try to rattle off and ramble on for five minutes. I'm giving them at least an hour and we're already hitting that hour mark right here, Melissa. I don't know if you know this. We're already in the hour mark pretty much. That but- went by really fast. It goes by really fast, but then you can explain. You can explain yourself better. There's no, you're not restricted by time, on on something like this. So that that's why it's very interesting to to really see that. So let me ask you then. So you're really busy now. You're married, and I noticed you have a new little dog. And yep, what's the dog's mochi. name? Mochi. <laughs> How do you balance? I think that's what a lot of small business owners struggle with, right? Especially those that came from. 
a typical nine to five. And I use the analogy all the time, or I repeat this a lot, is that you're leaving a 40-hour job to work an 80-hour job. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance it with being there with your husband and your dog? And if you guys are going to have kids in the future and balancing all that, how do you balance this all? I think I got disciplined really early on in my business. I had to learn to really schedule everything. Mm. So I actually scheduled downtime. I know that sounds ridiculous, but when you're your own boss, you have to. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, mm, your time can become really precious. And without scheduling that or making it very apparent to yourself that a I need to balance my life like work-life balance uh, it can become very overwhelming especially when you're first starting a business so yeah literally I have a calendar every single day for a whole entire year and usually I will try to plan out the big days in my year um, actually around now so okay. for next year I've already started planning what my year is gonna look like yeah for me, that worked. No, and I think that's great to hear because I think the last thing, like you said, people will burn out very fast. So right. aside from the burnouts that's going to happen, it's not good for your health to really be super stressed about everything, trying to balance. But I also think it ages you a lot. Yes. I think I just saw some funny Facebook meme where, you know, they show some type of profession and it's obviously of a senior citizen of some kind. They have a lot of wrinkles and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and on the bottom... I'm only 25 years old. And it's just a really funny thing where there's, and it's like a small business owner's thing is that they work so much because they're so worried about everything that that's what they have to really understand is that you need that balance. It'll make you live longer mm -hmm. to actually have it because we are social creatures. So we need to make sure we have that normalcy in our life. Not, it can't just be all about the business. So you need to, filling in that time definitely is, is vital. All right, we're at the almost wrapping up here. We're at the rapid fire round here. So some of these questions a lot of people are familiar with, some are not. So these are all fun questions. No pressure on you to educate more people on it. But now we're educating people on just how you think. All right, Melissa, are you ready to go? <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Now, I think I know the answer to this first one, but okay. What would your 15-year-old self imagine you would be doing right now? I would be living in a mansion somewhere. <laughs> Um, only working maybe 10 hours a week Ooh. and I would have three children, three children. Wow. <laughs> That's my life goal. <laughs> That's not that far different from my, mine was not the, t the 10 hours a week. I didn't think about that or living <laughs> in a mansion, but I did say originally I wanted four children. Mrs. K wanted two children. So I thought, okay, we'll compromise. We'll have three. And then my son came out. <laughs> and that's why we are going to have just two. So that that's a funny little thing there. But uh, wow, interesting. So you would be living in a mansion. Would it still be in the fashion thing? I know you touched on it pre uh, previously because you said you were a teenager. 15 years old, yeah. I you was would be in fashion. fashion. There yeah. you go. That's I would part. be an avant-garde designer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even pronounce that. Okay, I'm not going to try to repeat that, but okay. <laughs> All right, next question. All right. I'm a foodie. I love food like a lot of people. Have you ever eaten a whole, and I'm going to leave this blank, something all by yourself? I want to say yes right off the bat, but I'm trying to think like what I can give an example of. I'm a foodie as well. Yeah. And, but originally the question was like a tube of Pringles. But then I know some people don't eat Pringles. I've had some people say pizza. <laughs> I've heard some people say Oh my God, there was one that uh, one of my guests said, my goodness, I can't remember, but pizza is usually the easy thing or a yeah. pie or a cake or something. Yeah. So what is something that uh, you could eat all the whole thing by yourself? If no, if you didn't have to share it. I usually don't share my fries. There you go. I can eat a whole thing of McDonald's fries, whether it be large or regular, whatnot. I regular? Have... I only know large. Okay, so... <laughs> Apparently, there's something smaller than large, but okay, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> Have large. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I can probably also eat a whole medium pizza to myself. Same here. Mine was a stuffed crust. <laughs> and it used to fall under Easter time frame where, you know, since I'm Catholic and we were, you know, not allowed to eat meat on Good Friday. 
So I would always make it a tradition for myself that I would, now I don't because I'm in my 40s now. If I try to eat a whole pizza, my heart will explode. But I would actually, but when I was younger, I could actually eat a full stuffed crust, six cheese pizza, medium, all by myself. I don't know if I want to do it. Pizza Hut. That's the way you got to do it. For... That's the best. <laughs> when it comes to stuffed crust, yes. There's some places that offer it. I'm not a big fan of it. But yeah, no, that's good to know. So you could eat a pizza. You could eat mm-hmm. fries by yourself, like a whole lot of fries. Excellent. All right. Last a few questions here. What is one subscription you do not want to live without? My Beachly box. Your Beachly box. Now, explain <laughs> that. I've never heard of a Beachly box. What is that? So it's like a beach-themed subscription box that i get every single what is it quarter oh after the seasons yeah so i'm currently waiting for my winter box i don't know so it's very fun to look forward to i've actually done a lot of other types of like subscriptions before but this is my favorite i'm a beach type person i love anything beach themed and I will say, I give them five stars. Like, they're very good at their branding. And they're, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, the things that come in the box are very quality and very to my style. So that's Excellent. one thing I can't live without. No, and that, I, I can relate to that too. I used to have subscription boxes before. It was either, in my case, because I was into men's fashion, because I enjoy, before this whole pandemic thing came down, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on here, but when I like when I worked at a major financial institution, I would always dress like I was someone from IT, Mm -hmm. which is basically golf shirt and khakis and white running shoes. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And I decided to do a switch where I started to suddenly watch something about men's fashion. I can't remember why I was looking it up, and then I thought, okay, I found this great YouTube channel that I follow, and I was okay. Looked at it. The guy was a former military man, father of four, and he was talking about how men should try to dress more professional. We shouldn't dress like bums and it's all about that. And I started getting into that. So I started going to work in a suit. And the first, I remember the first day I wore a suit, my daughter looks at me and she's like, Daddy, why are you handsome? And <laughs> oh I my said, God, that's so cute. I'm like, you like it when dad dresses like this? She's like, yeah. So I blame my daughter. And <laughs> But the funny thing is when you go to work and you don't normally wear a suit or at least dress nicely, people look at you and what's the first thing they look at? What time is your interview? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm not interviewing anywhere. I'm just dressing up. And I actually got nominated, I think, uh, for best dressed employee. I didn't win. Wow. But I enjoy actually <laughs> dressing up. So the reason why I mentioned that is that the subscription box I used to have was like watches, sunglasses, and uh, some type oh. of men's grooming thing just because mm-hmm. I wanted to look right. That doesn't mean I'm thinking I'm some above everybody else, but it just made me feel good that one time, I think it was on Remembrance Day, because I think I had it off and my and Mrs. K had it off, and we were doing like this thing, we were going to go to the Cheesecake Factory for li- for lunch, and we were going to do archery. So mm-hmm. you, you can't really dress up for that. You, you, yeah. you go, we went to, for lunch for the Cheesecake Factory. I'm not going to dress up for that because I know right afterwards we're going to have to dress into something casual. So we're wearing something casual. And where the archery place was right near Yorkdale, same where the restaurant is. So we went to Yorkdale Mall and I'm dressed down because obviously I'm going to be archery. And we finished, we had some time, but we were walking around the mall and I was, I started to get this twitch. I'm like, looking at Mrs. K and she's, oh no, what are you doing? I said, do you mind if I go into a men's clothing store? And she's like, why? I just need to put on something dressier than what I'm wearing now because it was driving me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, fine, we go. We got some. so I would go in, I'd put on a nice dress shirt, a blazer, nice chinos or something that and I would just look at myself in the mirror and I just feel like oh I feel so much better. Yeah, now. you feel better. You yeah. feel better. But sorry, I, I I took that longer than I need to, but I just had to <laughs> outline okay. that. For especially when it came to the subscription boxes. But okay. All right, last couple of questions here. Describe your sense of humor in one word. Quirky. Quirky. Okay, I can hear that. <laughs> You're definitely quirky. Oh, thank well, you. Last question, Melissa, on the rapid fire round. All right, what is your theme song, and why? So theme you, song. Theme song. So if you're walking down the street and there's music playing, 
if people hear that song and look in your direction, they say, okay, Melissa's coming. What song is that? <laughs> it's so funny. I don't agree with this, but the first thing that popped into my head was the Bad Boys song. Oh my <laughs> god. But I, I feel like that's not the right song, though. But for some reason, that just popped into my brain and I could picture myself walking down a sidewalk with that song. <laughs> we, we got, you got to have that mean face when you're doing it, though. Yeah, exactly. Face. And it's funny because <laughs> some of my other guests, like uh, I, I used to watch, I still watch the WWE. And one of my guests said the theme song they thought of was from a WWE wrestler. Oh and God. I was like, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. It's not, And it's not for the moments that when my kids are messing around, if that music hits, they know daddy's coming. But it's <laughs> nice to, to hear that. So Bad Boys by Inner Circle. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are going to try to wrap this up. We're over like an hour into this. We're almost like an hour, we're like almost hour, 10 minutes into this podcast there, Melissa. So I'm surprised how time flies on this. So it does. do you have any general advice that you want to give the listeners for those either wanting to start or are currently there, but maybe they're struggling? What kind of general advice can you give them? I would just say stick to your happiness, stick to your gut decisions when it comes to building your business. A lot of people will try to give you advice on how to run your business, but at the end of the day, it is your brand, and I feel like the best advice you could follow is just following your heart and what you really want to do in life. That's great. So where can the listeners find you so your website social media handles what where do you where can the people find you currently i had to take down my website not too long ago currently you can find me on instagram at ppl and paper you can find my mini website through the instagram page so yeah look me up there all right so thanks again melissa and for dropping a lot of knowledge and truth bombs for everyone so thanks again for coming by <laughs> thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure so that was our interview with melissa from people and paper i had a great time chatting with her i think i learned a lot about her many years experience in the hair and makeup industry since mine is very limited i think the tips like getting a foundational education so you have base level knowledge of other techniques not just what works for you as well as potentially partnering with other artists who offer complimentary services to your core. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we will see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.